Hi there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Pour It Out with Alana Beverly. I am your host, Alana, and I'm super excited to have you join me this week. Today on the podcast, I have such a special guest. Um, This is one of our Chat with the Pastors, and it is Pastor Matt Steinbrook from Mount Pleasant Church in Kingston, Ohio. And Matt is someone who I had met several times, uh, just random places around town and he would be around and I'd be introduced to him. And we had a few short conversations. And then this year it was recommended to me that he join our national day of prayer task force to help plan national day of prayer. So he joined us and Just the more and more I had gotten to talk to him and the more and more I was around him, I just thought there is something about this guy. I really like him. And so one day after our meeting, I asked him if he would come be on the podcast. And when I did, I was really surprised by his answer. And he said, well, you know, I would love to, but are you sure you want me on there? And I said, well, yeah why not? And he said, "Mm, you don't know my story, do you? And I said, well, no, I've heard, you know, a little bit here and there, but I don't really know it. And he said, well, do you have a little bit? Do you have a few minutes? Can I share it with you? I said, yeah. So we sat down and talked and he told me his story and I just like with tears in my eyes, I was just so blown away by the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness and just the beauty of his grace and his mercy. Um, and I told him, I said, absolutely. 100%. I want you to come on the podcast. And if you are open to it, I would love for you to share your story. Like I think that everybody needs to hear what you just told me. And so he graciously said yes, and uh, I have been counting down the days um, for this to happen, for us to be able to sit down and record. Um, I think that day I went home and I told a few of my friends like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be on the podcast and his story is incredible. You just wait. And it is. Um, I think that you all will be really blessed by it. Um, It is a story of restoration, of redemption, of grace, of the Lord's faithfulness, of his goodness, of his love, of his mercy, um, of so many things. And I'm just really, really excited for you to listen to it, especially for those of you who you know, you think that when you come to Christ, everything has to be perfect and you have to be perfect. I think his story is that reminder that no, (laughs) we all make mistakes. Nobody is immune um, to the tactics of the enemy. And so, um, but also with that, nothing is too big for the Lord. He is mighty to save and he loves us so much. And So I pray that as you listen to this, you will be so encouraged, you will be drawn closer to Jesus, and you will just be able to see and hear of his faithfulness. So grab a cup of coffee or whatever you've got and join us as we pour it out. Hi, Matt. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. I will say this, that uh, I was incredibly honored whenever you uh, approached me about doing this interview. Um, I, uh, you know, I was honored by the fact that you wanted to do it, but then also a little surprised that you, um, that there, you wanted to record and then also play it back for other people or be available for other people to listen to. So I, I appreciate you having me. This I'm is, super excited. I, well, we talked one day. So Matt joined our um, National Day of Prayer yeah. committee this year. And so we had chatted one day after our meeting and you shared your story. And I mean, I, I knew I wanted to record with you. And that was what was 
interesting to me was that when I asked you, you said, are you sure you want me? <laughs> Have you, do you know my story? And I said, no, I don't. And so, you know, you shared it and it was like, I remember being like, do you think that you would share that publicly, mm -hmm. like on my podcast? Yeah. And your words, I mean, absolutely. Yes. And yeah. so I think that that says a lot about you. And so, I mean, I've said it a million times to you, but I'm really excited um, yeah. for today for you to share. So, um, so to get started, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, you know, born and raised right here in Chillicothe with a, a little bit of time spent away while, you know, me and my wife were away at college. And then, um, also the other, only other time that I haven't been you know, living around here was during, you know, army deployments or, or whatever else that, uh, you know, I was involved in. But other than that, you know, family all still around here in Chillicothe and um, obviously uh, pastoring a church here in the area and um, been, you know, the pastor here at Mount Pleasant for um It'll be three years in, in August. Um, and before that, you know, was was involved with uh, and, and attended you know, another church in the area from from the time that I was born and, and old enough to be carried out of the hospital, spent most of my life there. And um, yeah, I mean, my wife, you know, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary on in um, in August of of uh, 2022. And um, so uh been with her for like, well, married, like I said, for 25 years, but I think we actually go back 28 years and, uh, um, three daughters, um, 21 year old, who will be 22 next month. And then a 17 year old. And then a, of course our, our little 11 year old too. So all daughters. So girl, dad, and girl, dad. Yeah. Incredibly <laughs> blessed. Uh, and, um, love them all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I will say, um, for those that, uh, I, I was convinced that we were having a son for our first, for our first, like I was convinced, you know, like as soon as we found out we were pregnant, it was buying and you know, looking at GI Joe toys. And then whenever it was revealed that she was going to be a girl, uh, it, it took me a little minute, you know, to adjust. And, uh, and, um, but once I did, and once I saw her on the ultrasound for the first time, I was in love. And I, I just told Sally, I said, I don't care if we have anything but girls and it's a good thing I said that, you know, so, but, uh, because, because we did. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, we will just jump right in. Sure. You, um, you shared your story with me, like I said, after that meeting and that's just kind of where I want to start. So why don't I'll turn it completely over to you and you can just. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, I guess, so I guess the story is to how we ended up, me and you, in mm -hmm. this room here this morning talking about what we're talking about. But as I said, just in that little brief, I guess, intro, um, you know, from the time that I was old enough to be carried out of the hospital, literally, my mom and dad took me to church, um, always involved in church. Um, I, 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 I wasn't just um, involved in church by being there, but I was active in in church and you know i i knew what i was doing you know I, I i've shared this with others that you know i i accepted christ at a very young age i think i was like second second or third grade um and you know asked to be baptized when i was in in fourth grade i think and um knew what i was doing i i, I understood exactly what it was that i was doing and um loved it you know loved being active and, and part of the church and it's it's a good thing too because my mom uh, ended up taking a job for the church that that we went to and uh, we were always there i think i was in second grade when she took that job and so we were always there the church literally the building itself became you know a, a home to me mm -hmm. um and, you know, I had toys that I left out there and, and, and my bike, you know, for the summertime. And, and it just, I, I can't say it enough that we were, we were always there and, and I loved it. You know, I, I loved not just necessarily being on the campus and riding around and playing and knowing every nook and cranny to hide in. I loved being surrounded and was very blessed being surrounded by the people of the church. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, continued to stay active and involved. Um, I, I And I, I kind of joke around with when I say this, but I, I truly mean it. I think that every church 
has that kid, you know, that one kid mm -hmm. that just seems to always be there and there's so-and-so and he seems to know more about this place than what we do. And, and, and that was sort of uh, where I felt and um, became involved in the youth group at a very early age too, because they were trying to sort of revitalize. So they went down to like the sixth grade level and like, Hey, why don't you, you know, join the youth group and man, you talk about an excited you know, preteen kid. I, I, it just, the youth group was who I looked to mm -hmm. as like, that's where I want to be. And, um, so I started and, you know, I was at everything, everything that the youth was involved in, aside from all the regular church activities, I was there, um, loved it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, and I will say this is a little bit of a sidebar. Um, you know, I, I wasn't the best, uh, student in school. Um, cause I, mom and a guidance counselor or two would always say that I enjoyed having fun at school, you know, so <laughs> I wasn't the greatest academic. Uh, so I, I spent a lot of time grounded, you know, and, and the one thing that mom and dad always said was, you know, you're grounded from this, this, that. And, and you know, one thing that you're not grounded from is, you know, church youth group. And I was like, well, that's great. That fits into my plans. Exactly. You know, cause that's where I want to be. And um, so uh, I, I, I want to sort of, bring an emphasis to that time in the youth because um, that was when I started hearing things from pastors. That was, you know, the pastor that I grew up with. And then there, there was a, you know, the transition to, to our, to our new pastor at the time, whenever I was in high school and both of them were saying similar things to me that I, that I would constantly hear um, or regularly hear from them was, you know, we, we feel like God, has, is calling you. We feel that there has been a calling placed on you in, into ministry, you know, and, you know, I dismissed it. Um, I, I appreciated it, but mm -hmm. to me, that was what you were supposed to say. You mm -hmm. are a pastor. You're supposed to tell, mm -hmm. you know, you're, as soon as you tell me that, that's probably what you're telling so -so. And I just kind of dismissed it, took it for face value or whatever. But I also, as much as I dismissed it, I couldn't necessarily deny it mm -hmm. um, because there were times where, you know, as a student, even as I got a little older in the youth group, was asked to do student leadership types things and even even lead the youth on occasion. And that's uh, so like as much as, like I said, I, I dismissed it. I, I couldn't deny it. Um, when I graduated high school, didn't really have an idea of, of what it was that I wanted to do. Um, or where I was going to go. And I got this call from uh, what's now Ohio Christian University. Uh, back then it was Circleville Bible College. And they, you know, the admissions counselor asked me, do you remember when you were here as a sophomore in high school, you filled out a form? I was like, I, well, I was there so much for so many of your mm -hmm. retreats. It's hard to, to say which one I was at and which film or form I filled out or whatever. And they said, uh, well, we asked you a question, what would it take, what programming or what classes would you like to see, you know, uh, of Bible College for you to consider being a student? And they said, do you remember what you put? And I was like, I have no idea. But I was a sophomore in high school, so it's hard to tell. And they said, well, you answered with aviation. And I was like, see, I, that proves it. I was a sophomore in high school. I was probably being a little jerk at the time thinking there's no way that a Bible college is going to have aviation. And uh and, then, and they said, well, we're offering aviation. And I said, why would you offer aviation? You know, why would you offer a pilot training program? And they said, well, our hope is to develop and train um, bush pilots for the mission field. I'm like, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And long story short, it, it was how quickly can I get up there? How quickly can I start mm -hmm. this? How quickly can I be part of this first class? and um, made arrangements and they were starting in the fall, which lined up perfectly with my graduation and everything. And um, I, I went and they said, you know, they, the one thing they said was, you know, the, this is just a licensing, you know, this is just an extra that we are offering students. You still have to pick a major. As much as I hate to say it, I, I you know, it, that was such a carrot to me um, that aviation, it became such a priority to me that I think, you know, I was like, well, let's just do, you know, Christian ministry or let's do youth, uh, whatever. I couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I got to pick something to get up there and fly, let's pick something. And so I did. 
And, um, you know, I, I went through and was flying and, and uh, everything was going great. And then um, I got pulled in a couple months later to the financial aid administration office. And they, uh, they, they basically said, you know, your financial aid has fallen through. And uh, I can't remember exactly what the reason was, but for whatever reason it had fallen through and I was left with this huge bill from flying because uh, it's, it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the financial aid uh, advisor said, we can keep you here as a student. We'll figure out some way for you to pay for your tuition. But as far as flying goes, you can't until this bill, which is, was significant, is paid off. Um, and I remember sitting in his office and I was angry. You know, I was I was frustrated. I was upset and um, that, I, that I couldn't fly anymore. And all of this to say that obviously this was what got me there. This mm -hmm. was what was... Um, and I, I obviously I recognize all this, you know, after the fact, but that was just what got me there to get into ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, again, it was a carrot, I guess, mm -hmm. and it became my priority. So when he told me I couldn't do it anymore, um, I was frustrated, um, walked out of his office and sort of had this mindset of, well, fine, I'll just do it my own way. I'll do it and I'll pursue something completely different. And so I did. And, and you were, was that your freshman year still? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I, and from there, it was almost like there was this shift in my mind. And I had, I had kind of taken the idea of attending, you know, the, the university or Circle of Bible College. That was now off the table for me. Because if I couldn't do what I wanted to mm -hmm. do while I was there, then there was no point for me being there. Mm hmm and remember, this is the eight, you know, the mind of an 18, 19 mm -hmm, year old mm -hmm. talking. And, and uh, so I did, I, I left there and started, you know, to, to, to figure other things out sort of on my own. And, and I just want to say this too, like, I never said, you know, God, I'm done with you, anything mm -hmm. like that. It was just, you know, I continued, you know, to stay, you know, active and, and faithful in my relationship with, with, with God and active in church and, and all the, every, it was just that part of it mm -hmm. that I was angry about. And so, you know, started looking at other things. And, um, I remember, um, it was not too long after that I, that I enlisted into the military, you know, into the reserves or national guard and started to sort of look at, the vocations and, and the, the, the jobs that I could uh, maybe get from there, that that would give me a, a foot in the door on and um, started kind of considering law enforcement as a possibility. And I'll never forget whenever I, whenever I told that one of those pastors that said that, you know, God, mm -hmm. we feel that like God is calling you into the ministry, what I was doing I remember him being a little taken back, not necessarily disappointed, but just like, huh, you know, I, I never saw that. I never figured this was part of it, you know, in a way. Um, and, you know, so anyway, left for basic training and, and started this, this, uh, you know, career in the military, even though it was just in the reserves, but also was preparing for, um, you know, law enforcement as well. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's it eventually where I ended up being, um, and ended up, you know, uh, working for a city police department, um, and was assigned to do narcotics work straight out of the academy, undercover narcotics work straight out of the academy, um, uh, fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. Um, Love that job um, and what I was doing, not just the law enforcement side of it, but the actual narcotics work, you know, um, it sort of started to sort of consume me um, a little bit and um, worked a couple years in that. And then, you know, uh, during that time frame was was when kind of everything uh, happened with with September 11th. And a short time later, I was deployed to uh, it was February of 2003. My, my reserve unit was deployed um, to Iraq. And um, we never came home until um, September of, of 
Yeah, it was Labor Day weekend, I believe, of 2004. So an extended period of time away from home. Um, came home and um, went right back to work after you know, a short time reconnecting and reuniting mm-hmm. with my family and and you know our, our daughter who was twice the old twice the age uh, that uh, that she was whenever I left. You know, so mm-hmm. um, spent about a month or so reconnecting with them and then went straight back to work and and, and worked a little time. Um, you know, on, on the patrol side of law enforcement um, to just sort of get back into the routine of, of, of the job. And, and, and um, it wasn't too long after that, um, that it, you know, my wife, I think she started to sort of notice a couple things. Um, and the best way that I can describe it was I started to settle into a little bit of a funk, you know, mm-hmm. and um, she, kind of said um, something just very, you know, benign, you know, hey, I think maybe you are dealing with some seasonal depression. And I'll never forget what I said. I was like, well, yeah, I just spent an extended period of time in the desert, you know, bombarded with sun and all the good things that come with the sun and and my weather, the heat. And then I come back to, you know, a, a gray Ohio in September and then which begins. So I was like, yeah, I probably do have some seasonal depression, you know, <laughs> and uh, it makes sense. And um, so just dismissed it, never gave it really a second thought and continued doing everything that I was doing on the, on the law enforcement side of things. Ended up getting back into to narcotics work and and um got you know even more involved and deeper into it and uh, enjoyed it and loved it um and then some of those things that i was dealing with just sort of started to progress and manifest a little bit more i guess a little bit more frequently or whatever and um i think by this point or getting close to this point i had moved from working for a city um, local police department to uh, being hired by the state, and, and I was hired uh, as a, a narcotics agent for DCI. And um, around this time, I, I was starting to hear some things, and and you know, people were talking, and and friends, not not anything behind my back, just coming to me with concern. You know, hey, maybe it's more than just seasonal depression. Maybe you're dealing with some things that you know, some some extra baggage. And of course me, you know, um, my, you know, my ego and machismo or whatever it is that you want to call it, you know, was very dismissive. It was, no, that doesn't happen to me. This is, you know, weaker people than I have this sort of baggage that you're talking about, not me. So, you know, I, I, I dismissed it, internalized it, whatever it is that you want to say that I did, I did anything and everything, but owning up to it or, or facing it or whatever. Um, so while I was with BCI, they assigned me to work, you know, uh, with the DEA out of a DEA office in Columbus. And so, um, you know, loved, loved the job, loved it. And, and, you know, I don't say this out of any sort of self glorification, um, manner, I was fairly decent at it. I was good at it. And, um, and of course, anytime you're, you're good at something, you find yourself doing more and more and more and getting more involved and active and and stuff like that. And that's kind of where I was. And, um, so at around this same time, we started to go through a, a very dark time, um, with, you know, a family member and, um, it really a time that really pushed um limits pushed my limits as you know as a father as a parent and um you know whenever you you get pushed to those limits you start to question your own abilities and you know have i you know whatever for have i done this or have i not done that and um so we were dealing with that and so now you have three things you have some stuff that maybe I wasn't necessarily dealing with in the proper manner, stuff that I was dismissing or internalizing. This um, career that is incredibly dark. You know, it's uh, it, it. As much as I loved it, it was you know a um, 
I mean, it was narcotics work, mm-hmm. you know, and you're dealing with, you know, uh, a, a part of society that was just very, very dark. Um, and then now we're dealing with this as a family, you know, we're dealing with something in our family that just, um, you know, so there was, there was three things, you know, huge things. And it got to be a burden that was too much for me. And um, now let me just stop there for a second, because through all of this, I continued to not only be involved with the church and and stay active in the church, but also in ministry. Like mm-hmm. I was, you know, a bivocational youth pastor for our church. So I would leave work whenever I, you know, or 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 leave work and go straight to, you know, Wednesday night youth service or um, you know, on obviously doing, you know, youth ministry on, on Sunday mornings and just still very, very active. Um, again, not just in church, but doing ministry. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of some of those things that I, 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 I told you about, those three things started to feel a call that it was time to step down and step away from, mm-hmm. from ministry. And so I did. And it wasn't too long after that, Alana, that, um, that that burden that I was talking about that became too much to, to, to bear caught up with me, mm-hmm. I guess. And, um, you know, I, I unfortunately, um, uh, I started to self-medicate. Uh, that's the best way that I can put it. And I know mm-hmm. that that sounds a little cliche. A lot of people will use that term, but that's that's what it became. Um, and I started doing something that wasn't necessarily ever part of my life before. And uh, I turned to to drinking and what was something that was just started out to to, I guess you could say, you know, take the edge off or whatever term that you want to mm-hmm. put in there. Uh, that's what it started out as. And unfortunately, with where I was mentally, with where I was emotionally, along with, um, you know, this this predisposition because of family history, you know, um, I'm telling you, it took quicker than anything. Mm-hmm. It it latched on. And um, the next thing I knew um, and it, it didn't take long at all, um, there was a problem, mm-hmm. uh, a problem that I hid, uh, a problem that, you know, maybe I didn't hide well enough, I guess. Um, because I think that there were some that were close to me that started to, um, be aware. And, you know, this was something that wasn't part of my life. It it was something that, you know, I, you know, through high school that I, I, you know, avoided, you know, it didn't, you know, Sally and I, when we were away at college, we were married and it wasn't part of, you know, that scene wasn't Mm -hmm. part of our life, you know, it just wasn't. And so now it has been introduced, I guess, in a way. And it, it took hold and it took hold very, very quickly. Um, and it took hold uh, very ugly, um, especially after it was exposed. Um, yeah, it got bad and um, it, it, it ended up uh, costing me at my job, my career that I ended up walking away from. And, and um, it, 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 did so much damage it it, it, um you know it first and foremost there was this separation from me and my relationship with god now Mm -hmm. you know um and and the career side of things was was down on the list because next was you know it 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 created this um it, it was killing my marriage it was killing me you know spiritually emotionally um you know killing my marriage killing everything and um yeah, eventually it got to the point to where it, it came to a head and um, things just got really, really bad. You know, ended up spending some time away from home and, and some time away from my family uh, as we as we and, and I navigated this recovery process. Um, and again, I, I say that it, it took hold very quickly um, and. For some of that, I'm, I'm somewhat thankful for, I guess, that it happened mm-hmm. so quickly, relatively speaking. You know, we're talking, you know, a couple year period time frame um, because as ugly as, as the recovery process was, um, 
it, it wasn't necessarily, it could have been, you know, much bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and fortunately it was just, for, you know, thankfully uh, that it was, it was a couple of years and as ugly as those couple of years were that it was, it was just a mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, and I, I, I remember, I don't know. I, I remember, you know, this, these conversations with my wife, um, and, and the things that, the thing that got her through all of this was, was hope, Mm -hmm. you know, and she would tell me, you know, after, after we walk through this ugly, dark period of our lives and, and everything, she, you know, she said the thing, when things were the absolute worst, sometimes the only thing that I could cling to was hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it wasn't hope in, you know, anything else other than her faith in Christ. And, and she said, I clung to that hope, even whenever it looked like that there was nothing to cling to, even whenever it looked, whenever uh, we had friends and family, you know, that were telling her, hey, we think that it's time. We feel like mm-hmm. you have been released from this marriage. We feel like, um, and, and she said she would hear those things. And the thing that she clung to was, was hope. And I, I'll never forget that whenever I reached what felt like my darkest um, time or the darkest period through all of this um, was that there was a time where, you know, I could either um, continue this life continue, you know, seeing my family from a distance, continue being, uh, you know, separated from, from my relationship with God, or I can surrender it all, surrender it all back. And that was the only option for me. That was the only option. And, and, and I did, you know, and, um, it, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, the surrender part was easy, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, recovery involved after that, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a, a process to go through, you know, not just necessarily as an individual, but for us as a family and, you know, friendships that, you know, that were destroyed or, or ruined or, or at least hurt, you know, there was just a process that, that took quite a while, uh, as we, as, or at least as I dug out of this mess, um, but I was never alone during it. You know, I, I knew that as, as hard as it was, I was never alone during any of this. And, um, as we started to kind of emerge from all of this was when looking back over just, you know, and you're just getting a very, you know, mm-hmm. reader's digest version of, of, of many years to, to get to you and I sitting in this office mm-hmm. right now. Um, but once that surrender, you know, um, back to God took place and we started moving forward with, you know, getting reinvolved with, with, you know, um, not just being in church, but active ministry. I can look back and see that time in that financial aid advisor's office when he said, you know, it's not that you can't be a student here anymore or the, that moment, whenever I said, fine, I'll do my own thing. I'll figure it out on my own. That um, all of those years, I know God was saying, I'm going to protect you. Right. I'm going to bless you. Right. Um, but you're going to end up right back here. You're going to end up right back here in this, you know, not necessarily, obviously, in this office, but to that call of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to do it the long way. You're going to do it the hard way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to protect and bless you, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the, those, those years that you're in this time, but you're going to end up right back in this, in this call to ministry. And I want to take a quick break and tell you about my partners. I have three partners who work with me here for the podcast, and they are all three amazing. They're based right here in Chillicothe, Ohio, and I cannot say enough good things about them. I will start with Roast Coffee. Guys, Roast is legit the best coffee here in town, like the best, and their tagline or phrase or whatever is coffee and community. 
They have legit the best coffee. And also when you walk in there, it is an incredible atmosphere full of community. I go in there several times a week and whether it's walking in and seeing tons of faces of people that I know and love and getting to hug their necks and be, you know, chat with them for a few minutes or have meetings in there, or if it's just a, a quick stop on my way out, uh, the baristas, the workers, they are just all incredible. They are so sweet. They get to know you. They know what you love. They know your order. There's times where I walk in and they have my coffee done <laughs> um, before I even completely order and pay. They are just really, really fantastic. I cannot say enough good things. If you have not tried Roast yet, go check them out. They are located on 2nd Street here in Chillicothe at the Fort Collective. And while you're in there, you can check out the awesome shops that are around while you wait for your coffee. So it is a win-win-win all of the way around. Go check them out on social media, Roast Coffee. My second partner is Sweet William Blossom Boutique. They have, incre I mean, everything incredible. My number one go-to will always and forever be the chocolate-covered strawberries. They have the best of the best of the best. You will not find any better anywhere. They also have peonies right now it is peony season you need to go check them out their flowers are absolutely gorgeous they also have charcuterie boards they have a special little snack size charcuterie cone which is adorable uh, lots of good stuff they've got dirty pop which if you don't know what that is then you should go check them out and play the song by NSYNC while you drink it and just tons and tons and tons of good stuff. They are also located on 2nd Street, right across the street from Carl's Townhouse. So go grab a burger and then go across the street and get some dessert. <laughs> it is the best little shop here in town and it has been my favorite since day one. Um, best place to go get treats and sweets and gifts for people that you love. There's legit nothing better than a pretty pink box showing up at your door. So go check them out. They're also on social media, Sweet William Blossom and Boutique. And lastly, I have Maggie and Me Candle Company. They have got some incredible new scents. They have some, what I love about Maggie and Me Candle Company the most aside from their incredibly smelling candles, is that they sell unique candles to specific stores here in town. They stay local and you can find them at different downtown businesses and they sell specific candles there. I want to highlight High Five Bakery. Uh, right now they have some new scents, some some springy, amazing, yummy scents that are sold only at High Five right now. So pop in there, get you a bubble tea or a cupcake, and pick you up a candle from Maggie and Me Candle Company. I cannot say enough good things. Uh, candles are absolutely incredible. They are also sold at New System Bakery, at Nelly Dog, Pottery and Paints, and a few other places. So go check them out. You can also check them out on social media, Maggie and Me Candle Company. Okay, so before we go forward, I want to go back just for a hot second. Sure. And I want to ask, you talked about like when you got to the point where you were ready to surrender, was there a moment like what made you get to that point what was the breaking point where you were like i've either got to surrender this thing or it's just it's going to be all all bad yeah you know again i don't i don't mean to sound cliche or anything but you know we, there's when you when you there's a lot of talk about hitting rock bottom and mm -hmm. you know we can hit rock bottom but we can also keep digging and that's mm -hmm. kind of where i got and like i said um there was this, um, you know, separation in our marriage and I wasn't living at home. I was living in this, you know, in this apartment for, you know, it was what ended up being a relatively brief period. But during that brief period, 
you don't know how brief it's going to be because there is all this unknown and you're still living in this, you know, this life. And your kids are how old at this point? Oh, I think Emma was a senior in high school. So, you know, she was 17, 18, 17, I think. Yeah. 16, 17, somewhere around there. Uh, Still in school. Um, And I, I remember being in that apartment one day and deciding that I was done and it wasn't, I, you know, I was just done. I I was, I was tired. You know, I I was broken. Um, and as broken as I think you can be. Mm -hmm. And I just decided that I was done. And I remember like planning on stopping, you know, this, this self-medication mm-hmm. and knew, knew that it was dangerous to, to do it without any assistance or to do it without any medical help or anything. I knew that it was incredibly dangerous, but I didn't care. That's how desperate I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of looked at, you know, what, what was in store for me? What, what will I expect from going through, you know, withdrawals or, or, or whatever? And I just remember thinking, this is going to suck. You know, this isn't mm-hmm. going to be good. It's going to be very dangerous, but I don't care. That's, that's where I am. You know, I, I'm just, I'm done, you know? And um, so I did. And uh, it wasn't pretty and it was very, very dangerous and ended up, you know, I remember uh, I was laying in this apartment and um, it felt like my blood um, was, was pancake syrup. Like it felt like every heartbeat was, was strained and struggling to just to pump what was necessary for me to live. And I called my wife um, and was talking to her about what was going on. And she said, you need to come home, you know? So I went home and um, it, it broke her to see me. It broke her. Um, I'll never forget the, you know, when she saw me, cause she hadn't seen me for a little while. Um, you know, I was, I was in bad shape and, um, it took some talking and, and some, um, uh, you know, some convincing for, for, for me to go to the hospital and, you know, dad took me, but in that apartment, um, you know, I was experiencing a lot, but through it all, through, through all of the stuff that, that, that junk that I was experiencing with going through what I was going through, this, this voice just cut through it all. And it just said, get up, get up. You know, it wasn't my voice. It, it was just get up. And, um, I, you know, I don't know that if it wasn't for, you know, God speaking to me in that moment, that I'd be here with you this morning. Cause that's how bad, that's how desperate, that's how, uh, the situation that I was in and that getting up and that standing up and that getting the, you know, that phone call to, to my wife. And I just want to sidebar for just a second. Um, she should be sitting here with me right now. She should be the one telling, uh, her side of all of this because, Oh, I mean, she's incredible, you know, um, to, uh, to 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 go with what she go through what she went through with me to cling to that hope and then to a few years later be celebrating our 25th anniversary mm-hmm. you know she should be here um mm-hmm. so i'll just say that but um to, to that hearing that voice and, and that that get up and, and starting that whole process to i'll just say that it led to a little bit of an extended stay in the hospital mm-hmm. um and during that stay in the hospital was I'm going to take you back to that moment where you said, I'm going to do things my way, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the only word that can be used to describe that, that moment in the, in, in, in the apartment and that, that moment in the hospital and the moment and everything after that can only be summed up with, with one simple word and it's surrender. It's mm-hmm. this, I can't, I have to give all of this, not the little parts and pieces that I've been holding on to that got me into this mess, not the little things that I thought that I could do on my own, mm-hmm. but I have to surrender it all, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, 
so yeah, uh, um, after that, like I said, there was a lot of things that, a lot of recovery, a lot of uh, things that, you know, had to happen. Um, and then, you know, eventually came that call of, we're not done yet, you know, mm -hmm. ministry wise. And, you know, so here we are, pastor of a church in Kingston. You oh know, it's pretty incredible. Um, it, I, I'll say this, it, 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 and I don't, I don't mean to say this negatively, or I don't hope nobody takes this the wrong way. It does not make sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense, you know, and the, the reason that it doesn't make sense is it doesn't make sense by my standards. It doesn't yeah. make stands or, or sense by human standards to, uh, to see where I came from and to see what it was that it was a majority of my life as far as a career to where we are sitting, you know, mm -hmm. this morning. Uh, but man, I tell you, it worth it. it absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, so yeah, absolutely worth it. It makes me think of, you know, that word restoration. Oh, that's yeah. And how, like, I remember when, it was told to me that like the, the meaning of that word isn't to just fix something to make it good or to make it look new or whatever. It's that word actually means to put something back the way that it was intended. originally intended to be. Yeah. And so like hearing you say like, you know, in that office, when you made that decision to walk away and kind of do things your own way, or even before that, even before that, when it was like, I'm going to go for the aviation, but the ministry is just like a side gig or that's what's, it was my, it, you know, whatever. It was my minor, you know, it's like, <laughs> but this is what, like he, he brought restoration in a way, like this is what he created you to do. This is yeah. what he created. This was his intended purpose for you was to do ministry, was to be a pastor. And that's exactly what he did. Like, that's, that's what I see. That's what, you yeah. know, that's what came to me. I love that. Restoration, redemption, grace, everything came. And, and I will say this a lot of it. I don't know if I shared this with you during our initial conversation that one day. Um, what I'm getting ready to say is not going to make sense. It's not going to probably make sense to a lot of people. But I, I had always struggled with with grace mm -hmm. um, and not accepting it, not, under, not knowing that it existed, mm -hmm. you know, just wrapping my mind around it. Mm -hmm. Uh, to me, grace was just so much bigger than what I was that it came down to, but why me? You mm -hmm. know, I, 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 I had a vague understanding of grace because I used to, you know, teach about it or, mm -hmm. or whatever. And I knew that it, you know, and I knew that it, it was there, but to me, for me personally, grace was like, uh, the, the, the grains of sand on a beach or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the expanse of the universe. It was just hard for me to wrap my mind around why me. Mm -hmm. And another thing that happened as a result of this was, uh, me coming to terms with that, me coming to grips with that of it is bigger than you mm -hmm. and you don't have to understand it. You know, you just need to know that you are embraced in it. You are in carried in it. Mm -hmm. It came at a cost and it is still free to you. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, restoration, redemption, grace, and hope, yeah. you know, were vital I love it. for this. I want to ask you, and this, I wasn't planning on doing this, but sure. I just, um, I want to ask about the piece of accountability and what that has looked like for you um because i know obviously like you had your support of your family and you know especially your wife and your parents and your kids and things but then what what did that look like with other relationships and friendships and what does that look like now i'm thinking for the people who you know are kind of in that spot where they're trying to get their lives back together and they're trying to take those steps. You know, you've got the practical things like the, the physical, the, you know, whether it's rehab or whether it's whatever is needed, but then what does it look like to practically walk in accountability afterwards? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, it does. Um, and I'll say this, um, in ministry, because I guess like 
outside of ministry, we know what accountability looks like and things, but being a pastor, is it different? So just being a pastor that's never gone through what I've went through no, or, that, well, or, or, or that. I guess both. Both. So, yeah, I mean, what, what I think they go, has accountability played into it. I think it would go hand in hand. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this this um, one of the the greatest blessings that, that I have had in, in the last few years in this relatively short period of time that I've been doing this um, was this group of pastors that I have been able to not only be surrounded by, but then also surround others you know, mm -hmm. with this group of pastors, uh, and you know, many of who I'm talking about, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, um, we do hold each other accountable, even if it's just simply checking in with, with one another throughout, you know, a day or, uh, you know, a random period of time. And just having that circle, mm -hmm. um, has, has been incredible. Um, and I'm not even talking about from, you know, a substance abuse sort of thing, mm -hmm. but just to know that um, we are carrying um, a lot of the exact same burdens that, you know, the things that, you know, we are carrying as pastors in regard to, you know, our churches are identical to what, you know, each other is going through. And mm -hmm. the, it, it, at times, it, it, you know, being a pastor, it, it can feel like you're on an island. Um, but to, to know that you're not has been incredibly encouraging, you know, um, to know that you're being lifted up, not only but within an encouraging word, but also daily in prayer uh, has has spoke volumes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, does that answer your question? It does. It does. And like I said, I think just that need for people, because oh. I would guess that when you were out trying to do it on your own, you lost that. You lost that accountability and you did kind of walk away from people in general. Yeah. Would that be a good Yeah. Thing? And, you know, I, I did kind of mention, um, you know, vaguely that um, during that whole process, there was damaged relationships. Yeah. There was relationships that were damaged that have, you know, have not been repaired yet. Um, and I guess it the the during all of that there is there are some things some from some friendships there are some some relationships that exposes you know going through something like that it exposes some chinks in the armor of the relationship mm -hmm. I guess and um, so you know if you if you kind of fast forward and I don't mean to sound what's the movie. Um, Meet the parents where mm -hmm. he talks about, you know, the circle, you know, mm -hmm. and, the, you know, you're in the circle, you're not in the circle, that circle is incredibly tight, you know, and it's incredibly close now and, um, um, and authentic, I think is, yeah. is the word I'm, that I'm looking for, not just the friendships, but the relationships with, with those other pastors and, yeah. you know, the accountability, uh, 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 you know, holding me or holding one another accountable may not necessarily be, you know, checking in on, you know, um, you know, from the from the stub, stub, substance abuse side of things, it's just an overall general yeah, doing accountability. Life. Uh, doing life together, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So I love that. I think. I mean, I just think that that's an important part. You know, you've got you've got the Lord, you've got your family, but then you also need other people too. Absolutely. All the time. Absolutely. Um. Well, this has been fantastic, and um, I feel like I talked like nonstop. And if there was any questions this, that you wanted to ask, I, I hope was, I didn't. That no, that is exactly what I wanted. This is it has been exactly what I wanted. Um, I end everything with just asking, what do you feel like the Lord's saying to you right now in this season? What do you feel like He's speaking directly, personally to you? Um, you know, I think I, I, I hear a lot of things and I, I feel like he is speaking to me a lot, but just kind of coming off the tail end of this conversation, um, you know, um, and being fresh off this conversation, I guess, is one of the things that I have, have, you know, uh, and this is a little bit of a personal note, I'm, you know, um, being a little transparent here, but, you know, I, going through all of that 
and knowing where I started, you know, and, and following that, that call into ministry so many years ago, and then walking away, um, doing my own thing, and then coming back, there's this sense of, of like, man, I, I wasted a lot of time. I know none of that time is going to go, um, you know, to waste because I know that God has is going to use those those experiences for this ministry. Um, but I think I guess the one that could all be summed up in is is there's a lot of work to do. You know, we've got work to do. Um, so uh, you know, and you know, you and I sort of had a little bit of a conversation before we started all this, um, talking about you know not just you know. Well, the community and, 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 and all that, but um, that I, I've just been incredibly encouraged by, despite everything that you see, despite all the stuff that we are bombarded with in it, you know, every day, that uh, people are hungry, people are searching, people that, you know, have maybe a separated relationship with God or not necessarily where they, where they need to be or, or used to be, are hungry for something, you know, and, and to know him deeper and then the ones that have never had you are there they're searching and you can just tell that there is this hunger in them as well and it just kind of merges into that sense of like i said we've got work to do yeah. you know and it's not just me because of those years that right. i wasn't it is as pastors as churches as as you leading a podcast and, and doing this podcast we've got work to do because there are hungry searching people out there um who need to hear uh, not my message, not my word, not this, you know, my testimony, but the, you know, the, the message of the gospel and the yeah. message of Christ. So, yeah. yeah, we've got work to do. I love it. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we didn't say that you want to make sure that we say? No, the only thing that I, I can think of, and I was thinking about this as you were talking, um, you know, I don't know when this is going to get listened to. I don't know when um, or who's going to listen to it, obviously. But my prayer is this, is that... Um, that whoever, even if they weren't in my necessarily, you know, the same circumstance that I was necessarily in, but just feel like you are, are not, I, I just pray that, that they hear this and, and to know and to hold on to that, you know, even whenever other people are maybe recommending to you that, you know, it's time or whatever that you're holding on to, to, to that hope. And to that yeah. promise and and to know that there is restoration to know that there is redemption to know that there is grace from that hope you know that that that's my hope and prayer and like i said maybe it gets listened to tomorrow maybe it gets listened to in three years you know yeah. but it that you know god is preparing them to, to to hear that there is hope yeah um i don't do this typically with pastors but i feel like i'm supposed to i'm going to ask you to pray that actually i'm going to ask you to pray um, specifically for the people who are in that place that you were, maybe not the exact same circumstances, but that place of hopelessness and of brokenness and of just kind of near or at their rock bottom. Sure. I want you to pray for Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the beauty of it. I thank you for, uh, um, another day to, to be in your service and in your presence, Lord. And Lord, I'm so thankful for this opportunity that I get to sit with Alana this morning and, and just chat and, and, and share our hearts a, a little bit. And I'm thankful for her. And um, I, I was thinking about this on my way to, to, to the office this morning that uh, it is so awesome to watch how you um, create these relationships and how it's not just a simple crossing of paths, but we can see your hand involved in, in the, the formation of, of, of relationships. And, uh, over the last year and a half or so, as I've gotten to know Alana a little bit, I, I, it just, it makes me smile to see her whenever I see her out and about, or whenever we have conversations, because I, I generally know what we're going to be talking about or, 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 even working together on and, and uh, even over the last several months, having the opportunity to 
um, to serve with her in some sort of capacity in the community. Lord, I lift her up as she continues to do what she does. And and throughout this, this ministry that you've called her into with the podcast, Lord, I, I am so thankful that we have the opportunity to do that this morning. And I think above all that this isn't just a uh, a relationship or a friendship, but it is a partnership in, in ministry together. Lord, I, right now I just want to pray um, for those people that may be in that situation that I found myself in, or are 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 maybe on the on the on the fringe of entering into that uh, that dark period of their life, Lord, and Lord, as as, as they are either going through it or getting ready to go through it or, or, or even coming out of it prayerfully, Lord, that uh, you are at work on them and, and softening their heart and, and, and softening their minds. And, and, and is hopefully that there is uh, one who, who hears this, even if it's, like I said a moment ago, if it's, you know, days from now, as it's still fresh or even years from now, they stumble upon this podcast that I pray that the overall message that comes out of our conversation and this little interview that we've had the opportunity to take that the hope uh, and restoration and redemption and grace uh, is still there and is will, will always be there, but it will only be through you, through uh, the, the, the redemptive blood of Christ and, and not on anything that we can do uh, on our own or through our own power, because I've tried, we've tried, and it is always messy. Um, so, Lord, I, I lift up that person or people that uh, may eventually hear this and um, or maybe don't even necessarily hear it or just hear about it. But to ultimately know that that hope, restoration, redemption and grace uh, can only come through you again. Lord, I, I thank I'm so thankful for for this opportunity and for this ministry that Alana is leading and, and, and doing. And um, I, I pray for her and her family as, as she continues to do this and every other aspect of her life that she's uh, plugged into uh, ministry wise, Lord. Again, we thank you for this day. We thankful thankful for this opportunity uh, just to, to, to sit in your presence uh, and, and, and just chat and um, give testimony to your incredible works. In your heavenly name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having for me. being here. And um, you know, like I said before, you know, your story is one. It's of redemption and restoration and grace yep. and just His faithfulness. And I am so grateful because I think it's it's an important word for people to hear, and it's an important message for them to know that. You know, even when we, the thing that I love the most, and like I said, you know, I hate that you walked the path that you did, but I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for the ways that the Lord uses it. But I, I love that your story is one that speaks to, it doesn't matter how you're raised. It doesn't matter, you know, right. life happens and the enemy is out to steal, to kill and destroy period. And so a lot of times I think we chalk it up to bad childhoods or bad you know, whatever, but you were, you lived in the church basically. Yeah. And you had, you know, incredible parents. I know your parents, they're fantastic. And to have that into, for the enemy to be so deceptive and yeah. so sneaky because that's what he does. Um, but to see how the Lord turned it all around. And I think that's the ultimate message of hope is Absolutely. that there's nobody there's no situation, there's no person, there's no circumstance that his grace can't reach None. and that his love can't reach. So Absolutely. thank you for being vulnerable and transparent and sharing with us. And um, I just super appreciate you. Nope. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, I hope that you loved it as much as I did. I am still just really, really blown away. Um, sitting down and having that conversation and hearing that story again, it left me in awe all over again. Um, and to hear a pastor be that vulnerable and that transparent, I just think what a gift, you know, because that is something that has, it's hard for any of us to be vulnerable enough to share the hard parts of our story. Um, the sin parts of our story, 
it's hard for any of us to be open enough to do that, but to be leading a church and to be that open and that honest and that transparent. I mean, I just think that that you get all of my respect. (laughs) Um, So I just, I was really blown away. Like I said, from the very first time I heard his story, sitting in that meeting room and to sit down in his office and hear it again, uh, just blew me away all over again. The Lord is good. And I hope that if you listen to this and you are someone who maybe is away from the Lord and you feel like you've messed up too big and it's, you know, that, that it's just too much and too big. I hope and I pray that this story, that his story is a reminder to you that you haven't, that the Lord is there. He is gracious. He is loving. And he, his love truly is reckless and it will chase us down and it will fight until we're found because he loves us. And it is, his love is powerful. It is relentless and it is mighty. And if you are someone who has a a strong relationship with the Lord, you're walking closely with him, then I just pray that that encourages you to know how big your God is and also how your prayers matter. You know, Matt had a praying mom and dad. He had a praying wife. He had, you know, family who prayed for him, who believed for him, who fought for him. And as a result, he was restored. So just know that your prayers matter and don't ever stop giving up. And then lastly, just like he said, um, just the, the importance of accountability and community and having people around you to pour into you and to know that we are not created to do this life alone. So when we walk away, not only from the Lord, but from people, it's a really, really hard thing. We need him first and foremost, but we also need our people. So find community, get connected, get plugged in together, hold each other accountable. The Lord is so, so good. (laughs) I am just, I'm just really overwhelmed by, by that truth today. So I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope that you were encouraged by it, that you were drawn closer to Jesus through it. I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week and I will join you back, that you will join me back here. I'm sorry, (laughs) next week for a new episode of Pour It Out with Elena Beverly.